All right. Good morning, church. Can we give it up not just for the kids, but all the volunteers and leaders who gave of their time to make this happen? This was actually the last summer camp that we did, but uh, all throughout this summer, we have had hundreds of volunteers who have given of their time and their talents uh, to be a part of teaching these kids all about God. And so, all of the dinosaurs and everything you see up here was just a means to help kids that maybe don't know about Jesus enter into a relationship with him. And so we're just so grateful for all of them. Well, uh, I, I am so thankful for the word of God, and I'm thankful that we serve a God who still speaks to us. And I'm somebody that believes uh, that, that if we will listen, that God will speak. And so I had a way that I thought I wanted to start this message, and as I was praying and preparing for today, I felt like the Lord kept impressing upon me just to tell you what he told me. And so if that's okay, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to share with you the word that God gave to me, and I can't make you receive it. I can't make you believe that he gave it to me, but I believe for those who do receive it that you are going to be blessed in the seasons that come. Not too long ago, I was out walking my dog, and, and usually when I go out and walk my dog at night, that is when uh, I pray and I seek the Lord and I talk to him about anything and everything that is going on in my life. And on this particular uh, night, I was out walking, and I kind of forced myself to pay attention to my surroundings. I'm sure we all have those familiar drives or those familiar walks that we take where we are so familiar with our surroundings, we just kind of get lost in what we're doing and we don't really pay attention. And so I forced myself to pay attention to my surroundings and for whatever reason, I started thinking about seasons. And I started thinking about the seasons that are to come and what is ahead of us. And I think all of us can look at the world and look at everything that's going on and see that there is the possibility for turbulent times ahead. And as I was thinking about that and processing that and praying about that, I heard the Lord speak to me loud and clear in my heart. And I heard the Lord say this. He said, prepare to thrive. And when I heard that, that got me a little bit happy because I thought what God was doing was creating in me an anticipation and an expectation of what he was getting ready to do in my life and in the life of my family and in the lives of, of the community. But I realized that the more that I talked to God about that and the more that I tried to gain understanding of what he was speaking to me, I realized that God was not talking to me about expectation, but God was inviting me into participation in what he was doing. And here's what I believe. I believe that how we prepare today and what we do today will determine how we walk in the next season. So the things that we do today in his word and our leaning on him and our, our, our leading of his voice, and if we're willing to follow that, I believe that in the next season, we'll be blessed. And so I'm gonna talk to you about that today and I'm gonna unpack it using the word of God because God will never speak something to us that he's not gonna confirm in his word and so I want to impact that for you today, because I believe that no matter what it looks like in the world, we are a people who are blessed, and that God can use us and God can work through us to touch the nation for his glory. 
And so I wanna pray for you today and I would ask that you pray for me just before we dive into God's word. Dear Holy Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that you still speak to us. And I pray right now in the next few moments that for those who are meant to hear this, God, that you would open their ears to hear. God, for the hearts that are meant to receive this, God, I pray that you would open them up to receive. I pray, God, that not only would you anoint your word, but I pray that you would anoint me and anoint what I'm about to speak. And I just pray, God, that you would help me to articulate it in a way that not only do they understand it, but they hold on to it and they walk into, ultimately, God, everything that you have for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to do me a favor and I want you to open them up with me to 2 Kings and I'm gonna be reading out of chapter four starting with verse eight and I'm gonna read out of the Amplified. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. They will put it up on the screens for you but I would encourage you, make sure that you bring a Bible or open it up on your phone because you wanna make sure that everything that is being spoken into your life ultimately comes from his word. And today we are gonna be looking at a woman who, uh, if you just were reading through this story, you may not take a lot of time to stop and pay much attention to her life. And yet I believe that there are a lot of things that we can glean from it in how we are meant to pursue God in this season so that we can be blessed in the next. Second Kings chapter four, starting with verse eight. It says, now there came a day when Elisha, who was a prophet, went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent and influential woman, and she persuaded him to eat a meal. And afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. And she said to her husband, behold, I sense that this is a holy man of God who frequently passes our way. Please, let us make a small, fully walled upper room on the housetop and put a bed there for him with a table and a chair and a lampstand. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can turn in there. I want you to notice that at the beginning of this passage, as we meet this woman, we see two things. First of all, we see that with people, she has influence and she is prominent. This suggests to me that she was probably a wealthy woman. She would have been somebody that was very well known in her community. But can I tell you that influence and prominence and wealth cannot outweigh our sensitivity to the voice of God? Because it isn't her money, it isn't who she knows that ultimately will open up the greatest miracle she will receive in her family's lives. It was her sensitivity to what God was doing in the moment. I think for many of us, we miss out on what God's doing because we don't know how to hear his voice. The reason I know that when I was on my walk that God was speaking to me is because I daily spend time in his word. This is 100% without error, God's voice speaking to us. It is a love letter from a father to his children, giving us a pathway, giving us a direction to follow. And I'm telling you, if you want to be able to hear the voice of God in your own life, it requires an intentional seeking after him and reading his word and talking to him and taking moments to listen to what he says. When I first got into uh, ministry, there was a season where I was working at a big church in St. Louis, Missouri, 
and it was, it was a huge church. I mean, uh, they had multiple campuses in St. Louis, and they had multiple campuses in Florida. And I don't say that to brag, but I say that because I want you to understand the scale that I was at. And so I was working at the broadcast campus. I was the campus pastor there. And as a campus pastor, you had a lot of responsibility. It wasn't just taking care of the people. It wasn't just pastoring. There was a, a certain uh, 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 image that you had to portray to the people. And part of my job assignment was that there was social media. So I constantly had to be posting about my campus. And they said, well, we want you to be relatable to people. So make sure that you're posting about your family so you become relatable. And make sure that you're posting about your campus. But make sure that you get shots where it's full. And, and, and make sure that everybody sees all of the awesome things that you're doing. And at first, it didn't do anything to me. But after a while, it wasn't just about me posting. Because after a while, I started seeking the affirmation of people. I started looking at how many likes I had. And I started looking at who was liking it. And I wanted to start looking at who was looking at it. And who was commenting. And who was reposting. And who was retweeting. I became obsessed with getting the applause of man. Because I thought to myself, the more prominent I become, the more influential I become, then the more blessed I will be. But as I look back on that season, I realized that as I was craving and seeking after the attention of people, I never truly found the peace of God. It was only in times where I was pursuing him and saying, God, I'm going to only listen to your voice and I'm only going to worship to an audience of one. That's where I started to find the peace and the favor of God. Can I tell you that we live in a time and a, a place where people are seeking the applause of man rather than the favor of God. And if I didn't tell you anything else today, I'm telling you that if you will get to a place where you start seeking him, I'm telling you he will start blessing you. He will start opening doors that no man can shut, not because you know people, but because we serve a good God who wants good things for our lives. And every blessing I have in my life, every door that God has opened for me and my family has not been because somebody commented on my Instagram. It was all because of the favor of God who goes ahead of me and makes my path straight. And this woman was about to discover the same thing in her own life, that it wasn't influence that would open the door to her greatest breakthrough. It was being sensitive to the voice of God. It says this in Matthew chapter six, verse seven and eight, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. For some of us, we think we gotta say the prayer just right. We gotta articulate it just right to God. And the truth is before you ever speak it, God already knows your heart. And I'm gonna show you through the life of the, the woman from Shunem. It says in verse 11, one day he came there, this was Elisha, and he turned into the upper room and he laid down to rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And now he said to Gehazi, say to her now, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? Would you like to be mentioned to the king or the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people in peace and security and need no special favors. Later, Elisha said, when this is, what is uh, to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, 
She has no son, and her husband is old. And he said, call her. So Gehazi called her, and she came, and she stood in the doorway. And Elisha said, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But in verse 17, but the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the season the next year, just as Elisha said to her. Can I tell you that she was discovering that just because people don't know your name doesn't mean you can't be blessed by God. Throughout the entire story of this woman, her name is never mentioned. She's called the Shunammite woman. She's called the woman from Shunam, but we never know her name. And yet, because she was willing to open up a place for God to move in her life, God looked at her heart and he provided for her the very miracle she didn't want to even speak out loud. Some of us are so afraid to reveal what's on the inside of our hearts because we say things to ourselves like, well, I'm too old. It's too far gone. It can never happen. And yet, if we will have faith and allow God to move in our lives, God can take even the most impossible situations and he can provide for his people. When uh, I was early in ministry, I was broke. And uh, I can tell you, my wife did not marry me for my money. In fact, she was making a lot more than me, so I guess maybe I kind of married her for hers. And, uh, but we were poor, and so what do you do when you're poor? You have kids, and you have lots of kids. And so we thought, we thought that's the answer, you know. And so we had our first daughter, and, and I love her, and she's fantastic. Uh, and then uh, on my daughter's first birthday, and uh, we, were, we were out, we were celebrating her first birthday, and we were like on a, a scooter ride. Uh, my family had a scooter, and we were going somewhere on this scooter. And for some reason, my wife thought this was the right time to whisper in my ear, I'm pregnant again. You know, I'm so, oh, praise God, you know. And I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. And uh, I started to panic because I thought to myself, oh man, we have, we have small cars, and uh, I still am not making any more money. This is rough. And I remember she said to me, she's like, yeah, you know what? I, I really want a brand new Honda Odyssey van. I was like, well, not with our finances. You, you know, you're not gonna get that. And she said, no, no, no. And I want one that's fully loaded. And she said, I'm just gonna, I'm, just, I'm not gonna tell anybody about it. I'm just gonna pray about it. I was like, all right, well, you know, faith of a mustard seed, do what you gotta do. And so, and so she started praying. And one day I was at the church and I used to get to the church really early. I would get there at 5.45 in the morning because I was obsessed with every little detail being just perfect. And so I got there really early in the morning and I had a couple volunteers that would show up, if you can believe it, at 5.45 to help me set things up and we get, we get things ready for the day. And as I was leaving church that day, I was driving out of the parking lot and one particular volunteer was walking to their car. And I heard the Lord speak to me and he said, give that person your car. Now, I didn't have a lot of nice things at that time, but my grandfather had given me a two-door beautiful Mercedes-Benz, okay? It was beautiful. And so when the Lord said to me, give him your car, I assumed he meant my wife's, the little blue Versa, okay? And so I thought, okay, Lord, I will give her car away. And uh, the Lord's like, no, you're gonna give away that Mercedes. And I thought for sure that that was the voice of Satan. And so I said, no, devil, not today. And so I began, 
I began to, to pray and I was like, okay, you know what I'll do because, you know, me and my wife, we had become one and so we're not gonna make decisions apart from each other. And so this is what I said. I said, okay, Lord, I'm driving home and if this is you, I want you to speak to my wife and when I tell her about what I believe you've spoken to me, somebody said, amen, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> there you go, husbands, talk to your wives. And, uh, and so I said, Lord, if this is you, please tell her for me to give this car away. And so I went home and I was very confident because again, we're broke and all we had was these two cars. So I was pretty confident that she was not gonna say yes. So we sat down and I was sitting there and the, the baby was finally down for a nap and I said, Rachel, I, I, this is gonna sound crazy, but I, I feel like I heard the Lord say that I needed to give my Mercedes away to a volunteer. She said, oh yes, Lord, that, that's, the, that's the Lord. Uh, hold on a second, let me back up. I think you misunderstood me. I said, the Lord, I believe, told me to give away the Mercedes. And she said, yeah, the Lord's been speaking to me about that. Do it, give it away. Oh God, okay. So I called him up and I said, hey, the Lord wants me to bless you with this car. And he's like, oh, like you want me to buy it? I, I can't afford to buy it. And I was like, no, 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 no. The Lord just said to bless you with this car. And he goes, okay, sweet. So he takes it. I was, I was hoping it was just like a test of faith, you know, but God was gonna let me keep it, he didn't. And so, and so he took it and you know, my wife wouldn't just give him the car, there were some issues with it, so I also got to pay to fix it up and give it to somebody else, that was awesome. And so, and so we blessed him with the car and so now we're down to one car and one month goes by and two months go by and I don't know if you've ever had a pregnant wife before but they don't get smaller, they just, you know, they keep, you know. And so she's getting more and more pregnant and I'm starting to panic a little bit because I know that our car seats will not fit in the little blue Versa that we have. And I'm praying and I'm like, God, you gotta come through. I know that I heard your voice and I know I was obedient to what you called me to do. But I didn't wanna tell my parents, I didn't wanna tell my grandparents who gave me the car because I was a little bit embarrassed because I knew they were gonna say, oh, they're just young, they're dumb, they don't know anything about money, they don't know anything about cars, making stupid decisions. And I was so embarrassed, but not my wife. She's just like, I just know God's gonna bless us. He's gonna take care of us, hallelujah. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, she has more faith than me. And so one night we're laying in bed and it's about 11.30 at night and she couldn't sleep and I couldn't sleep and all of a sudden her phone rings and it was our pastor's wife. And I was panicked. I'm like, oh Lord, my boss is calling my wife at 11.30 at night. This cannot be good. And she picks up the phone and she walks in the other room and she starts talking to him. And she goes, Paul, come here, come here, come here, come here. She said, Pastor Devin's on the phone and she said that they want to give us a brand new Honda Odyssey fully loaded. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. I said, for real? And she said, yeah. And they said, you know what? It's kind of crazy because we know that you and Paul already have two cars. But we've been wrestling with this for a couple months now that we were supposed to give you this car. And Rachel said, you're never gonna believe this. We just gave away our car. And I gotta tell you that because God knew my wife's heart and because we were faithful to what he said, God gave us exactly what she wanted when we needed it. I'm telling you, we serve a God who is on time and who will meet every need according to his riches in glory. 
And for some of you, you may be in a place where you've stopped believing for the things of God. But I'm telling you, if you will begin to take steps of faith and you'll begin to start not only leaning on God's voice, but doing what he tells you to do. I'm telling you, God will begin to open up breakthrough and begin to provide for you in supernatural ways. That van was something I couldn't afford. It wasn't something that I couldn't earn. It wasn't something that I could go take out a loan for. It was a supernatural gift that was all tied to my obedience to what God told me to do. And in our story today, that's exactly what happened to this woman. She was obedient to the voice of God, even when it might not have made sense. So let's keep going, because this isn't the end of her story. It says in verse 18 that when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. So this was the harvest season, and now this young baby has grown up, and he's old enough to start working with his dad. But he said to his father, my head, my head. And the man said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had carried and brought him to his mother, he sat him on her lap at noon, and then he died. And she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, and she shut the door of the small upper room behind him, and she left. Then she called to her husband, and she said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so that I may run to the man of God and return. And he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it will be all right. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, drive the animal fast, do not slow down to the pace for me unless I tell you. So she sent out and she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. I love her response in this situation. Let me tell you something. I have a mama bear as a mother. And if you mess with mama's baby, you got problems. And even though the text doesn't articulate it here, I am sure that there was a moment of dread and panic and anger that swept over her. But notice what she does. She doesn't operate in a mode of panic. In a season of difficulty, she reminds herself of the faithfulness of God. She takes to the, the child to the place that was prepared where her breakthrough was given to her. And then out of faith, she speaks to her husband, who throughout this story seems very confused. And she says, it's all right. I love the dad's response throughout this whole story. It's such a dad thing. When the kid's sick, he says, go send him to mom. Mom will take care of it. And in this moment of grief and loss, you don't hear about her weeping and crying. She has faith that it will be all right. It says this in Matthew 11.1, 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Some of us need to start surrounding ourselves with people of faith who will believe even in the most impossible of situations. I don't know if any of you have ever struggled with depression before. But years ago, I went through a bout of depression that just about did me in. It was depression that was caused by my own choices and my own mistakes and the things that I had done wrong. I got into a relationship I shouldn't have been in. I did things I should not have done. And I became overwhelmingly depressed. 
And yet there was a part of me that wanted to have faith and believe that God had better for my life, that God still had a plan for me, that God could still use me. And so what would I do? I would call up my granny. When I would be in my lowest points, I would call up my granny Judy and I'd say, granny, I'm, I'm just so down. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through and I can't seem to kick this funk and I can't seem to get out of this. And my granny would get on that phone every single time and she'd begin to pray for me. She'd begin to remind me of the goodness of God and the favor of God. She would remind me of times where they were in difficult situations and yet God would come through for them. And she would say, baby, we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe that God is gonna come through for you. And she would pray and she began to pray in the spirit and she began to call on God and she began to ask the Holy Spirit to give me peace and comfort. And I would feel his presence through the phone. And then afterwards, she would always say the same thing. She would say, when we've done all that we know that we can do, she said, be still and know that he is God and he will make a way where there is no way. And can I tell you, there is a whole generation that many people are giving up on. And Lord, I just pray that there would be some grannies in the house, some mothers in the house who will not give up on a generation that is being pulled by the world. I'm telling you, we need intercessors and people who will pray, who will touch heaven and say, God, we need a miracle in our land. God, we refuse to give up on our children. God, we refuse to bow down to culture and let them be swayed by the world. We need people who will pray, even in spite of difficult situations, to see God move. That's what my grandmother was for me. And that was the faith that the woman has in this story. She refuses to be upset. She refuses to cry. She says, it will be all right. And I just want to tell somebody here today, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. If you're in this place today and you are facing an impossible situation, I feel like the Lord is saying, it will be all right. He can still move. He can still make a way where there is no way. And so it says this, when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, here is the Shunammite woman. Please run now to meet her and ask her. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. There's that faith again. She said, when she came to the house of the man of God, she took hold of his feet and Gehazi approached to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is desperate and troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden the reason from me and has not told me. And then she said, did I ask for a son? Did I not say, don't give me false hope? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, prepare and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet any man along the way, don't greet him. And if a man greets you, don't stop. And lay my staff on the face of the boy. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So Elisha arose and followed her. And Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the boy's face. But there was no response. So he turned back to meet Elisha and he told them, the boy has not been revived. And when Elisha came to the house, the child was dead on the bed. And so he shut the door behind them and he prayed. Then he went up and he laid on the child and he put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself out on him, he held him. And the boy's skin became warm. 
Then he returned and he walked into the house once back and forth. And he went up and he stretched himself out again. And the boy sneezed seven times. Seven is the number of completion. And the boy opened his eyes. And then Elisha called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and she fell at his feet, bowing herself to the ground. Then she picked up her son and she left. I want to point out a couple of key things in this passage that we just read. First of all, I want you to see that oftentimes the key to our breakthrough is not just our faith, but it's also our persistence. See, she was a little bit misplaced in understanding where the miracle was coming from. She thought the miracle had to come from Elisha, not realizing Elisha was just a vessel. The miracle came from God. I think this speaks a lot to our celebrity church culture that we have today, where we put all this pressure on the pastors, and we put them up on these pedestals, and well, they got to do this, and they got to do that, and if I don't get this from them, if I don't get that, not realizing that we are merely vessels used by God. God is the one that we give glory to. God is the one who heals. God is the one who provides. We merely are his servants that work on his behalf. But even in spite of the fact that she doesn't really understand fully where to put her faith, I love the fact that she's persistent. And she holds on to him, and even when the servant tries to shoo her away, she refuses to let go until he agrees to come with her, until he gets into the house, until he performs the miracle that she needs to see in her life. That's why I love James chapter five, verse 16. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effectual, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word fervent is talking about this boiling over of passion. Listen, I'm telling you, when you are in dire situations, it's important not to give up just because you don't see the breakthrough the first time you pray for it. We live in this instant society where we want everything right now. Well, God, I prayed one time. Well, God, I showed up to church that one time. Well, God, I worshiped that one time. Why didn't you provide for me? And sometimes the reason that God will delay our blessings or delay our miracles is because God is trying to develop something on the inside of us a dependence on him in good times and in bad times. I used to struggle with these horrible stomach pains. And I would, it was like every time I would eat something, didn't matter what I ate, didn't matter what I drank. If I put anything inside my body, I would just be in this excruciating pain. I would walk around feeling, it was like my, my muscles inside my stomach were constantly contracting. And I would pray and I would say, God, please heal me. And I would see doctors and doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with my stomach. And I would pray and I'd say, God, please heal me. Because I believe in healing. And so I would say, God, please heal me. And again and again and again and again. And I would see this specialist and I would go see this doctor. And they couldn't figure out what was going on with my stomach. And one day I was in a church service just like this. And I was in the back of the room and the pastor gets up there and he, he talks about healing and prayer and all of this other stuff. And, and he gives this invitation, this altar call to come down to receive prayer. And he said, if you're in this place and you need healing, just come down to the front so we can lay hands on you and pray for you. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going. I'm, I'm on church staff. I can't let people know I've got problems. I'm supposed to be praying for people. I can't have somebody pray for me. 
I, I don't want, I don't want my, my, my boss, my pastor to think less of me because I'm coming down front. I mean, if I come down front, people will think I've got something really bad going on. The rumor mill will start and people will start saying, well, you know, he's young and he did something dumb and that's why he's down there. He's repenting or whatever it is. But I just kept feeling this urging on the inside of me to take a step of faith one more time and to go down and pray. And I came right down to the front and I stood up there, and this may sound weird to some of you, but whatever. And I lifted my hands, and he placed his hand on my head. And I don't know any other way to describe it that when he did, it felt like this warm fire shot across my stomach. And can I tell you to this day, I have no stomach problems. Zero. Nothing. Not an issue. I can eat what I want when I want. I guess I probably shouldn't, but... God healed me of those issues. Why? It wasn't because I didn't have enough faith to receive it. It was because of my persistence. Sometimes we receive from God when we are persistently pursuing him and the things we have need of from him. I wonder sometimes how many miracles we miss all because we get impatient on God. Or because we're unwilling to do that thing that sounds weird and crazy that God is asking us to do. God, forgive us for being a people who when it feels uncomfortable, we shy away from it. Sometimes the greatest miracles we will receive all start with that first uncomfortable step that takes us out of our comfort zone takes us out of that place where, where we feel comfortable and like, well, I mean, if they come up to me, if they'll come pray for me, or sometimes God is waiting for us to take a bold step so that we can receive everything that he has for us. I'm gonna end with this. This isn't the only time that this woman appears in scripture. So real quickly, I wanna go to 2 Kings chapter 8. And this is where I'm going to land this thing of how we are going to prepare to thrive in the season that is to come. So remember, throughout this text, we keep seeing that she prepared a place for God. God blessed her. When there was this emergency, this problem that happened, Elisha said, prepare. And they went, and this miracle took place. And Elisha had faith. He didn't see it the first time, but he went back in. He kept going back in until the boy was revived. But, oh, I love this part of this scripture. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. It said, now Elisha had said to the Shunammite woman whose son he had restored to life, prepare and go, you and your household, and stay temporarily, temporarily wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and moreover, it will come on the land for seven years. And so the woman set out and did everything in accordance with the word of the man of God. And she and her household went and they stayed temporarily as foreigners in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to appeal to the king for her house and for her land. And now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things that Elisha has done and just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, oh, my Lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. 
And when the king asked the woman, she told him everything. So the king appointed for her a certain high official saying, restore everything that was hers, including all the produce of the field since the day that she left the land until now. There's two important things I want you to see in this text. I think sometimes we confuse comfort with the blessings of God. We think, oh, I'm comfortable, so that means I'm blessed. That's what she said in the beginning of the text. I don't need anything. I don't need an audience with the king. I'm among my people. I've got everything that I need. And yet, it was out of her comfort zone that she goes to the enemy's territory that God preserves her in a difficult time when there was famine in the land. And all of this happens out of obedience to what the man of God told her to do. If she had never prepared a place for Elisha to stay, she would have never received the blessings that were on the inside of her heart. And if she had never prepared a place according to what she sensed God doing, she never would have been protected in a season of famine where other people were suffering. You know what I hate? Is that when we start to learn that there are difficult seasons ahead, or if we start to learn that, man, there's, there's something on the horizon that's coming up, a lot of us get into this survival mode. We go buy up all the toilet paper and all the non-perishable goods we can, because I'm just gonna make it through this storm. I'm just gonna survive. I'm gonna make sure that me and my family just make it. But check this out. She didn't just survive the famine. When she got back, there was one who had an audience with the king that not only was she protected, but she had restored everything that was lost. She got back her house and she got back her land. And not only that, even though there was a famine going on, the king said everything she would have gotten in that season, restore unto her life. This is what I believe the word of the Lord is for us. You may not know it, but we have an advocate that stands before the throne of God and his name is King Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what seasons come, no matter what we may go through, he is a restorer, he is a provider, he is a way maker. God will give us back everything that the enemy tried to steal. If we will just be faithful and sensitive to the voice and the move of God. And I'm telling you right now, you may look at me like I'm crazy, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And as for me and my children, we are gonna prepare right now in the things of God. And I made a declaration to God a long time ago. That's why I'm in Houston, Texas today. Because I said, God, wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. God, whatever you tell me to say, I'll say. God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I stopped craving the applause of man a long time ago. And I am worshiping an audience of one because he holds my life in his hand. And I believe that no matter what comes in the seasons ahead, 
if right now you will prepare in the things of God, if you will study his word, if you'll pray, if you'll seek his voice, if you'll do what God tells you to do in the next season, you will thrive. If you receive that today, every hand in the air, every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna pray for you as we close today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I know I have heard so clearly that you are calling us, you are inviting us, God, to participate in your plans and in your will and in what you're doing. And so Father, I don't fear tomorrow and I don't fear what tomorrow can do to me because I know I have an advocate that right now stands on my behalf before you. And so Father, for every person that is in this room and joining us online, Father, I declare in this next season as they prepare today, they will thrive. God, they're gonna thrive in their finances and their business. God, they're gonna thrive in their family and their education. God, they're gonna thrive in their spiritual lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would pour out more of you. God, that they would hear your voice and with boldness and the faith that we see in the life of the Shunammite woman, God, they would walk out every command you give us. And God, I declare in the name of Jesus that the best days of community of faith are ahead of us. I declare the best days of this nation are ahead of us. I declare that the best days of the church are ahead of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 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 Now I'm all excited, and I guess I got to calm down. Just before we leave today, I want to invite you into something that is really special, and it's communion. And it's a moment where we remember what Jesus Christ did for us. See, when he died on the cross, and three days later, the Bible says that he rose again. That, that's what gives us access to God. That's what allows us to enter into his presence as Jesus acts as our high priest, making our requests known to God. And it says in scripture that before Jesus died on the cross, he sat with his disciples and he broke bread with them and he drank the wine. And he said, listen, as often as you do this, remember me, remember the sacrifice I provided. Remember what I did when I shed my blood for you. And so the first thing that Jesus did is he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, eat all of it. And so would you take that wafer and would you break it and would you eat all of it in remembrance that his body was beaten and broken for us? And then the Bible says that Jesus took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this represents my blood that was shed and poured out for you. And he said, drink this in remembrance of what I have done for you. So you take that and drink all of it in remembrance that Jesus shed his blood for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and made new. Let me pray for us one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for the sacrifice of when you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. 
And through communion today, we celebrate that sacrifice. We celebrate the fact that he is risen and he is alive in each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would bless your people today. Bless them as they go throughout the rest of their week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you this Wednesday at prayer night.